The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about private equity's take on the MarTech landscape. Joining us today is Paul Ciarto, who is the founder of PS Group Holdings, which is a technology and investment company and growth accelerator that supports more than 20 diverse assets at any given time, with an AMU exceeding $200 million. PSG has the sole purpose of creating change through product, services, and people by establishing operational efficiencies to increase profitability and overall valuation, and they focus on minimizing digital disruption using transformation models that focus on SAP and ERP systems. They also optimize big data solutions, enterprise projects, portfolio planning, and even do some executive-level coaching. And today, Paul and I are going to talk about his growth acceleration secrets from the private equity point of view. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Paul Ciarto, founder of PS Group Holdings. Paul, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Ben, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you as my guest. Excited to talk a little bit about private equity. I feel like private equity in many circles is actually a little bit of a dirty word. Yeah, right. <laughs> and maybe it's the, the George Clooney movies of him living on an airplane, going around buying companies and firing everyone, or you know, people think of private equity when that exit happens. For the founders, it's a way to get out. And for the operators, it's a way to get shit canned. Yeah. Probably unfair. So tell me a little bit about what private equity is from your perspective before we get into the marketing stuff. You hit the nail on the head with your description of what private equity typically is. Private equity in my world is not that. So this organization, PS Group Holdings, is a private equity established by myself. And over the past seven, eight years, I have been able to invest in great ideas and opportunities that I have a passion for, that I feel are sound opportunities that would increase my investment. So that has a tremendous return. And I go all in with these organizations. So my goal is to help them to stabilize, accelerate and get to a point of potential exit where we stay with the organizations and they become cash cows. I joke about private equity and their reputation, whether it's earned or not. There are obviously some good people that work in private equity. Fundamentally, you're an investor and you are investing. and, And in some cases, I don't know whether it's technically an acquisition, but you're putting your money into a company and then you get essentially an operating stake to help them 
grow and scale and become a different level of organization. Yeah, that's exactly what we do. Okay. So talk to me about private equity as it relates to marketing and specifically MarTech companies. There's a lot of B2B SaaS companies that are out there that are thinking about the IPO or the big exit. In reality, they don't have the scale to you know, become the next unicorn. So they end up scrambling. Where does private equity fit in and who do you look for? So I would say this is the sweet spot that I really focus on, SaaS-based organizations. There's probably a plethora of organizations out there that really don't understand how to stabilize and get on an accelerated growth track. I mean, most of the founders of these organizations are more tech-savvy individuals where they don't understand what it means to penetrate the market, to build headcount, to create conversion and remarketing and accelerate their growth and focus on, I like to call it a focus on impact versus just revenue because most of these organizations are trying to make money you know, versus generate impact, which is a three-prong approach towards scaling an organization that focuses on reach, revenue, and margin. So what I mean by that is SaaS-based organizations, which you brought up, these are software-as-a-service-based organizations, and I like to focus on memberships. How many members can we get into the stack and how quickly can we accelerate value per headcount into these stacks? And the goal is one, which is reach. How do we start reaching the market? How do we take over a percentage? How do we penetrate a market? And that comes down to traditional marketing models all the way through the advanced, more digital. Then we get into revenues, not just reach. Now, how do we convert the reach into some kind of a monetary value? And in what we're converting, we need to look at the organization, not just from a sales, 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 because a lot of these hack influencers out there, all they do is they focus on how do we make a sale? And it's less about the sale if you don't understand the margin. It's more about the operational side because sale is easy if you have a great product. Sale is going to be recurring if you have a great product, but your organization will not stabilize, thrive and grow and get to the next level of success if you don't understand the operational model. So the third prong to that impact generation is really on the margin side. You know, and that really encapsulates every functional aspect of an organization combined with the reach revenue, which generates margin. What you're talking about makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, I think of it in marketing terms of the funnel, right? We think about building awareness, lead capture, conversion. And from the private equity standpoint, you look at something relatively similar, which is what's your reach and awareness? Are you able to drive sales? What's the profitability? What's the, you know, the, the, the margins of those sales? So when you're working with a B2B SaaS company, let's say somebody in the MarTech industry, what are some of the tricks that you use? You've got these technical growth-led founders. They found product marketing fit. They get to a certain level of scale and they're ready to exit. What do you do that amplifies what they're doing from a marketing perspective? Well, this is the challenge with most organizations that we work with. They don't understand the marketing side. They really don't understand that there's two different aspects to growing an organization and a product line or a service line. I mean, there's branding and then there's marketing. When we work with these technology-based organizations, they're focused heavily on the tech, the tech stack. It's all about the tech stack. How do we start bringing the tech stack out there? And what happens is they essentially overmarket, they congest their message instead of having a very, very niche focused pitch, which is going to resonate with a certain consumer. I mean, you can't be a master of everything when you're trying to sell. And the thing is, 
tech is not always simple. So most tech out there, they're technicians. They have pride in what they've built. They like to say, wow, look at everything we have. And the fact is, if you take a look at some of these big organizations like Microsoft, right? Microsoft releases a tech stack and it has a hundred different features. And the reality is the consumer is only going to grasp or even utilize maybe 5%, maybe 7% of that tech base. Now, the problem is when Microsoft is presenting, they're presenting such a depth of functionality, which pulls the consumer out of knowing exactly what they need. So the goal with marketing, especially around tech, is understand the message, understand the consumer. Where exactly are you looking to sell? What are you focused on? I mean, what is your secret sauce? What are you bringing to market? And what is the comparable difference with your competitive landscape? I'm going to buy your tech versus another tech. And most technical organizations, they overcomplicate what they're selling versus hyper-focusing. It's interesting to me, mostly hearing this from somebody who works in private equity, that the first thing you think about when you are investing or acquiring a company in terms of impacting their marketing is to simplify their brand message. You know, my thought would have been, all right, the private equity guys come in. The first thing they're doing is they're evaluating all the systems. They're making sure that the product operates as lean as possible. They're looking for efficiencies. And maybe this is just me thinking of the reputation of private equity as opposed to the reality. I think of the reputation being the cutthroat, like, let's just optimize the business. And you're saying, no, simplify, clarify what you're doing. Well, it's optimize and simplify. I mean, I think on the P side, your goal is to maximize return. And what happens is you're evaluating these organizations that you're potentially going to invest in, acquire, whatever it may be. And again, the challenge is typically, how does a tech organization grow? They're either going down a single stream of market focus with, here's my app that does specifically this, or here's my organization that has 20 apps. So me as an investor, what I'm doing is I'm evaluating the portfolio of applications. And what I want to do is I want to hit my maximum point of return for each one of the applications. And if there's an application that I feel does not have the potential, or there's a greater return on investment to focus on these five versus those five, you know what we do? We drop the baggage, we drop the dead weight, and we hyper-focus on things we know will sell, we know will accelerate the organization's value. Because from a PE standpoint, and I think this isn't just for PEs, I think this is for every single entrepreneur and business owner out there, you should be thinking on a daily basis how to hyper-value yourself. How to cut the fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut the fat at all costs. When you think of digital marketing, digital marketing is all about hyper-personalization. So why isn't the organization focused on hyper-personalization or hyper-growth on a single line? And you don't transition out of that line or you don't build another line until you've exhausted your point of growth. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. 
Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So when you're thinking about a channel mix, you know, you're looking at an investment Do you find that companies that have a certain blend of marketing strategies tend to perform better than the others? What gets someone through the product market fit into the scale phase where private equity might be interested in that type of company? When I look at organizations that have 10 different marketing strategies versus one marketing strategy, what I'm doing is I'm evaluating the return on marketing dollars spent versus bottom line injection of value. Because if we're spending money on 10 different lines and all lines are at their peak performance to have peak return for each line we're investing in, okay, great, keep it. But if we have 10 things going and nine of them are just gaining a minimal return on investment, okay, drop them, focus on the one that has the greatest return or exhaust the one that you're not applying all effort against. I understand what you're saying, and I have a, I don't know if it's pushback, but I guess a follow-up question where I'm looking at each individual, what I'll call channels. Hey, look, you're doing a social media strategy. You got an email outreach strategy. You've been doing out of home. You did your events and you're doing awareness building uh, podcast and content. And some of those are direct response channels. The digital marketing, I'm, my ads on LinkedIn, I get a click, I can figure out the revenue attribution. It's pretty clean. Oftentimes, you know, specifically like podcasts, something that you're obviously familiar with, they're a little harder to figure out direct attribution to revenue because of some of the tracking issues. So they get put into the brand building bucket. And what I'm hearing is, all right, well, you got to go through and you got to figure out which marketing channels are actually working and cut out the ones that aren't, but it's not always that clean. So how do you deal with things that have positive impact on the overall business, but the revenue attribution isn't there? So I'll give you a little pushback now. Let's do this. Because I think the world of mathematics and algorithms, it's pretty straightforward. So it's like, that's the challenge is that too many people run businesses based on passion and gut feelings and what they think is going to work versus what the math tells them does work. So again, everything we do should have a plan of execution. It should have a targeted result, targeted impact to the organization. And when it comes to marketing, I mean, We can evaluate everything and anything, not just from a qualitative standpoint, but from a quantitative standpoint, because we're investing dollars. Dollars should have a return. There should be some kind of a reach. There should be some kind of an impression metric, whether it be a podcast or whatever. But back to your original point of, should organizations be focusing on multiple channels or a single channel? And I think it really just depends on the target market. So let's say you're building a tech system for a dating app, right? Are you going to be doing like a plumber's convention? 
let's say I'm going to do out of home. I'm going to do billboards and then I'm going to do Facebook, Instagram ads. I want people to be aware of my dating app and then I want them to be on their phone when they're using it. Those seem like two opposite channels. Yeah, they're very contrasting too. I mean, I think you need to just look at what the biggest bang for the buck is to accelerate valuation. Because again, if you're looking at putting up a billboard on a state highway, again, let's quantify it. What are the run rates? What are the drive-bys? What's the probability of conversion from a billboard versus a digital marketing routine? One is actually easily quantifiable, and you could actually understand what your marketing dollars should return So in that sense, again, I would turn to the quantifiable method versus throwing up a billboard because one is more creating a qualitative presence in the marketplace, which is only going to be seen by a very small controlled group versus digital marketing. You have the ability to scale as you wish based on geo-demo strategies. I think that the idea behind something like a billboard and the reason why I use that example is that's an awareness builder. It builds credibility, it builds sort of an interest and affinity for the brand, or at least let's just call it flat out awareness. I've heard of coffee versus bagel, or I don't know what all the dating apps are, I've been out of the game for a long time. But then even though that's something that I understand the message, it builds the awareness, I'm not in buy mode when I'm seeing that, but I see it every day. And then I, you know, I get to my Facebook app and I'm like, oh, hey, coffee versus bagel. This seems like something that I'm actually interested in. And now I'm passively consuming content I'm going to buy. One feeds into the other, which then, you know, you're going to attribute the revenue to the Facebook ad, but it might not have actually performed without the billboard. I think the cost of a billboard compared to digital marketing it's actually very expensive to put up billboards. So and I think the return on investment and awareness is probably fractional from an influential standpoint from the digital side. It's like you make a really good point with the billboards because when I drive down the highway, right, I see billboards for injury lawyers or a dentist who's very localized within the area versus Facebook or Amazon. You're talking to the wrong guy. I live in the suburbs of San Francisco. And because it's Silicon Valley, all of the billboards are like (laughs) Yahoo, Oracle, Salesforce. Yeah, because it's highly localized. Exactly, because they all have a presence here in the Bay Area. So they're probably doing it from a new hire standpoint. (laughs) I hear what you're talking about. And honestly, I don't mean this conversation to be billboards versus digital marketing. I run the MarTech (laughs) podcast. I understand the value of digital marketing and I'm with you. I think of what we're talking about, like mixing a cocktail, right? If I'm going to make a Manhattan, look, I'm not, maybe I would drink straight bourbon, but that's a different story. I I like bourbon as the base. I don't think I'd drink straight vermouth. I definitely wouldn't drink straight bitters. But if I mix the three of them, it makes something superior. And the point I'm trying to get to is you do these awareness building activities, not something you would drink straight away. That's your bitters, but it makes some of the parts better. The only thing that I'm going to say, though, if you're going to do marketing, just ensure that it's an impactful marketing versus static and stationary marketing, especially when it comes to tech. It's like everyone's so global now. So I would rather someone do marketing on like your podcast because you're going to reach a certain demo geo focus that is probably going to amplify your digital media. What you said that really resonates with me is that when you're evaluating a marketing channel, you should understand what the expected impact is. And it's not maybe this is the difference between someone in private equity and somebody outside of private equity where you're saying, hey, it's got to have a clear direction towards revenue. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing a billboard because of the direct revenue impact. I'm doing that because I know I need as a marketer, a mixture of awareness of direct response advertising 
one channel is for one, one is for the other. And you need the awareness to lower your CPAs. Yeah, yeah, reach revenue margin. Without reach, you don't have margin. Exactly. So it is not directly attributable to revenue, but it does have an impact on revenue. So it sounds like we're both tying in that your marketing efforts all need to have a metric that you're specifically looking at that is tied to some sort of action, whether it's bottom line revenue or whether it's building out other parts of your marketing program. Give me one last good tip. When you're sitting here and you're looking at a company that you got to put your foot on the gas, you've invested in it, and now you're going to bring it into your portfolio. What's the biggest growth secret? What's the the hack that you use that's actually going to help businesses grow quickly? It's really a marginal game. So I think too many organizations focus on dumping money into digital marketing or investing into getting a message out versus understanding how to convert those clicks. Because a lot of these organizations, they're not even set up to actually manage what's being converted. And what happens is it falls through the organizational cracks. And then from a lifelong value of that click, I mean, you're decreasing overall valuation of the organization. So what I typically look at beyond marketing and reach is I look at the stability of the organization to actually handle marketing and reach because you can develop a message you can get clicks. I mean, you can create a really intriguing ad where people are clicking. And if it's a good product or service, you can figure out the message to sell. But if the engine isn't there, if the engine is just piecemeal together, where it's going to fall apart when you start putting fuel into the engine, that's my main focus. Is the engine solid? If it's not solid, let's ensure it's solid. So when we get to the point of marketing and hyper growth, we know that we have a solid foundation and we can build upon that foundation because there's rules of operation. I wrote an ad for a sponsor of the MarTech podcast, the company's Conversion Fanatics. This is not a paid promotion. And in the ad copy, it said something to the extent of, the fastest way to drive your company's growth is to do a better job converting the traffic you're already getting. And that's what conversion fanatics are for. They make sure that your website actually converts your traffic. And I think that that's kind of the private equity secret here is it's not only what's the funnel look like, does your team have the ability to grow and scale with the increase in demand? Exactly. I'm glad we're on the same page. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Paul Ciarto, founder of the PS Group Holdings, founder of PS Group Holdings. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Paul and I are going to continue the conversation and talk about private equity's take on digital transformations. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Paul, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Paul Ciarto. It's P-A-U-L-S-Z-Y-A-R-T-O. Or you could visit his company's website, which is paulziarto.com. Again, it's P-A-U-L-S-Z-Y-A-R-T-O.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. 
And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.